section seventy three of mysteries of london volume four this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org mysteries of london volume four by george w m reynolds conclusion of the history of the haunted houses part three taking her hand and pressing it with convulsive violence leonard said in a low and hollow tone now ellen i have at last obtained ample proof of your infidelity mercy mercy murmured the young woman as gazing rapidly up and down the bridge she saw that it was completely deserted oh i deserve it exclaimed leonard beating his brow violently with his open palm i know that i deserve it all i have long entertained the suspicion that such was the case but now that i have acquired the conviction it seems too dreadful to bear again however i say that i deserve it and yet bad vile depraved as i am i feel as if my heart had received a mortal wound i take almighty god to witness leonard cried ellen in an impassioned tone that this is the first time i have been unfaithful to you your conduct of the evening wounded me so deeply that i longed to avenge myself longed also to assert my independence of you even if only to the knowledge of my own heart by this i mean that i should have felt triumphant in proving false to you even though you yourself were to remain ignorant of the proceeding and now if you will pardon me i promise never to err again but oh leonard leonard do treat me with at least a little kindness and as she uttered these words in a tone of deep feeling and profound pathos she flung herself upon his breast throwing her arms around his neck in a paroxysm of reviving fondness so touching was her appeal that it instantly brought to his soul an overwhelming cloud of reminiscences of all the harshness brutality and cowardly cruelty of which he had been guilty towards her reminiscences too of all her love for him the sacrifices she had made for him the generosity of her behaviour in his behalf he recollected also and all in a moment as it were that if she were degraded by drink and defiled by the hot breath of licentiousness she was pure and chaste as a wife until he had sought her out on his return to london that her fall and fine might be unmistakably traced to her fatal connection with him then too he recalled to mind his own condition when two years previously he had crossed that bridge on his way to snatch a glimpse of the three houses and stamford street a condition which unenviable as he had then deemed it was one of supreme happiness compared with his present state for the mark of the branding lash was upon his back and the remorse of a murderer was in his heart and he knew himself to be a drunkard a disgrace to his regiment a vile wretch rioting in pleasures purchased by the coin that he wrung from the woman whom he ill-treated and abused and lastly his thoughts were reflected back to those times when all was bright and smiling before him when he and ellen were alike untainted by guilt and the willing votaries of virtue when their loves were innocent and chaste and they would have started back in horror and indignation had it been prophesied to them that they were one day destined to look upon each other with disgust all these recollections and reflections poured in like an overwhelming torrent upon the mind of the young dragoon and his soul was softened his heart long so hard was touched and melting into tears as he felt the miserable woman clinging to him with resuscitated fondness he pressed her to his bosom exclaiming ellen i have wronged you deeply deeply 
but can you can you forgive me the reconciliation was complete and then ellen animated by a sudden thought exclaimed but gracious heavens leonard you have absented yourself from your quarters and hark the clock strikes one the booming note of st paul's iron tongue had indeed fallen upon their ears while she was yet speaking i dare not return to the barracks again said leonard and she felt that he shuddered convulsively in her arms but what will you do she asked diffidently anything he cried anything rather than be flogged again flogged repeated ellen now shuddering in her turn yes i should be assuredly condemned to that ignominy that torture replied mitchell my conduct has for some time been so unsteady and i have been so often reported late that this time nothing could save me from the cat i have determined not to return to the barracks he added doggedly but what will you do again asked ellen i know not he responded gloomily unless i can find some secure place wherein to hide for a few days until i may escape from the country i cannot tell what will become of me and must you quit the country demanded ellen would you have me taken up as a deserter asked leonard bitterly my punishment in that case would be worse than if i were now to go back and submit to the result of a court-martial on charges of irregularity drunkenness and late hours not for worlds would i have you return under present circumstances cried ellen in an impassioned tone much less have you eventually incurred the danger of being arrested as a deserter leonard she added after a few moments pause if you leave the country i will go with you i thought that you would not abandon me exclaimed the dragoon pressing her closer to him then he whispered something in her ears and they conversed in a very low tone for several minutes at length ellen yielded to the plan which her lover had suggested but which had at first seemed fraught with difficulties yes she said there is no alternative i must conceal you at my house and when i reflect the two servants are devoted to me you may suppose that i have all along plied them heavily in order to induce them to wink at my irregularities and if they refuse to become mr gamble's spies in these times when he was in full possession of his intellects they will not betray me now that he is half childish and does not question them concerning me any more yes it must be so there is no choice left come at once i possess the latch-key and can admit you without even disturbing the servants it will be sufficient to make confidants of them to-morrow the reader may now understand that ellen was about to consummate her imprudence by taking her paramour beneath her husband's roof when the first moments of dissolving softness and better feelings had passed away in respect to leonard his selfishness again asserted its empire and while determining to desert he at the same time bethought himself how he could still make ellen's pecuniary means available to his own purpose his object was therefore to gain admittance into the house to ascertain the precise nature of her resources and find out the amount of valuables she could dispose of and then induce her to elope with him having previously plundered her husband and his dwelling of everything worth carrying off we have seen how far his diabolical and hastily formed scheme succeeded two points were already gained she would admit him into the house and she had promised to accompany him to another country the robbery he felt assured he should be enabled to reason her into if not menaces could be effectually employed no doubt such was the design which the once upright and honourable leonard mitchell now had in view and he chuckled inwardly at the scheme as he walked arm in arm with ellen towards stamford street in ten minutes they reached mr gamble's house ellen opened the street door by means of the latch-key which she had about her and the dragoon passed unobserved and noiselessly to her bedroom for during the past eighteen months she and her husband had occupied separate chambers the remainder of that night glided away in the morning ellen admitted the two domestics to her confidence and as she at the same time slipped a heavy bribe into their hands they willingly promised devotion to her interests 
the day passed heavily enough for the dragoon who was accustomed to exercise and bustle and who could not endure the idea of being pent up within the narrow limits of a bedroom he accordingly determined to put the remainder of his scheme into execution without delay and he rejoiced when night once more spread its sable wing over this hemisphere it was eleven o'clock mr gamble had long before retired to rest the servants had likewise sought their chamber and leonard was seated at table with ellen in the bedroom of the latter a succulent supper and rich wines were placed before them the curtains were drawn carefully over the windows and a lamp diffused a mellow lustre throughout the apartment having eaten as much as he cared for leonard filled a tumbler with sherry which he drank at a draught to inspire him with courage for the part which he had now to play for by fair or foul means was he resolved to succeed ellen said he after a pause we must quit the house to-night to-night she exclaimed in astonishment wherefore this hurry in the first place he replied because i cannot bear confinement here and secondly because it may as well be done now as a week or a month hence let us postpone our departure until to-morrow night said ellen imploringly why so because i have not seen my father for many days she answered he has been so much engaged in the city and i should wish to bid him farewell for ever if only mentally this is childish ejaculated leonard impatiently i thought you had lost all respect for your father oh but i cannot forget that he is my father responded ellen the tears trickling down her cheeks and now that i have made up my mind to leave england for ever i would embrace him once more then i must depart without you said leonard rising from his chair oh this is unkind to a degree i urged ellen bitterly surely you can allow me four and twenty hours for the necessary preparations our preparations can be made in an hour said leonard obstinately then reseating himself he drank off another tumblerful of wine listen to me what preparations have you to make save to possess yourself of all the money plate jewels and other valuables you can lay your hands upon ellen stared at her lover with a fixed gaze of mingled astonishment and horror well what is the matter with you he demanded leonard you are not in earnest she said at length you would not have me rob my husband of his plate certainly replied the ruffian and of his watch and everything of value that is portable in the house we must not go away empty handed i can tell you is it possible that you would counsel me to do this asked ellen speaking in a low and agitated voice leonard i have never hesitated to supply you with money because that is an article which i believe to exist in common between a husband and wife moreover the household has suffered in no way by the appropriation of those sums to your wants but if you mean me to plunder my husband of his plate his watch and other things which are beyond all question his own exclusively i declare once for all that i will not be a party to such a deed it is sufficient she added tears now bursting from her eyes that i am what i am without leaving behind me the reputation of a thief leonard ground his teeth with rage and again he had recourse to the wine-bottle pray recall the words that you have uttered exclaimed ellen tell me that you were joking or that you only made the proposal in order to try me i never was more serious in my life said leonard brutally oh what do i hear cried the wretched woman wringing her hands enough of this ejaculated the ruffian starting from his seat do you mean to accompany me or do you not yes yes i have pledged myself to that and are we to go empty-handed i have sixty or seventy pounds in money and my jewels are worth as much more and the plate demanded leonard is always kept in a box beneath mr gamble's bed and therefore you see how impossible it is to obtain it even if i were disposed to plunder him of property which has been in his family for so many many years leonard reseated himself poured out more wine drank it and then fell into a deep meditation ellen watched his countenance flattering herself that the reason she had alleged for forbearance and respect to the plate would prove efficient but she had only confirmed the ruffian in his resolution to possess it 
inasmuch as she had committed herself in two ways firstly she had told him where it was and secondly by informing him that it had been in the family for many years she had naturally left on his mind the impression that it was of considerable value for heirlooms of that species are usually costly what then was leonard mitchell really thinking of thinking of too under the influence of the deep potations which he had imbibed he was revolving a hellish project in his mind if he endeavoured to possess himself of the plate contrary to the assent of ellen a disturbance would ensue in the house and his arrest as a deserter might follow upon the discovery of his presence there to depart without the plate was not at all suitable to his purposes for if he repaired to a foreign country it would not be to toil for a livelihood how then was he to secure the coveted property and carry it away without the chance of noise or detection only if ellen were removed from his path yes this was the project now revolved in the mind of the lost depraved young man and having again fortified himself with liquor he determined to put his diabolical scheme into execution suddenly rising from his seat he approached ellen and taking her hand said forgive me dearest for what i dared to utter just now we will delay our departure until to-morrow night and then you shall take with you just so much as you choose to select and nothing more i freely pardon you leonard she replied and yet as he bent over her there was a wild gleaming in his eye and a peculiarity of expression in his countenance which caused vague apprehensions to sweep across her mind but how strangely you regard me leonard she said is anything the matter with you nothing nothing dearest he responded throwing his arms round her neck and pressing her head as if in the fervour of affection against his bosom all her alarms were immediately dissipated and thrown completely off her guard she returned the embrace abandoning herself entirely to him at that instant his right hand was withdrawn and as he uttered some words of endearment he possessed himself of the carving-knife unperceived by her let us now retire to rest leonard she murmured as her face lay buried on his chest it is growing late oh heavens and farther utterance was suddenly stopped for like a flash of lightning the sharp blade gleaming in the rays of the lamp was drawn across her throat the murderer turning her head and throwing it back at the same moment in order to aid his fell design death was almost instantaneous and the miscreant gently lowered the body upon the floor for nearly half a minute did he stand gazing upon that corpse unable to believe that it was really what it seemed to be and that he had perpetrated the deed then as the awful conviction stared him fully in the face and the entire sense of his enormity seized upon his soul he would have given worlds had he possessed them to undo what was there done but it was too late oh too late and he must save himself he must escape a bumper of brandy gave him the courage of a brute and taking the lamp in his hand he crept cautiously to mr gamble's bedroom the door was unlocked and the old man slept profoundly beneath the bed was the plate chest but it was securely fastened with a padlock leonard raised the chest and placing it on his shoulder was about to quit the room when he espied upon a chair the clothes which mr gamble had put off when retiring to rest these garments the murderer likewise self-appropriated as well as a hat which was standing on a chest of drawers and he noiselessly retraced his way to the chamber where the corpse lay turning his back towards that appalling spectacle he proceeded to dress himself in mr gamble's apparel which fitted him quite well enough for his purpose and was at all events a safer attire than his uniform he next proceeded to break open the plate chest a task speedily effected by means of the same knife that had accomplished the murder the contents of the chest when rapidly scanned by his eager eyes were evidently of great value and he hastened to pack them up in towels and lastly in brown paper he then rifled the jewel-box of his murdered paramour and in addition to the costly articles which he found there were the seventy pounds that the unfortunate woman had alluded to but a few minutes before she had ceased to exist leonard was satisfied with the booty thus acquired and he was moreover in haste to depart 
having secured the money and jewels about his person he took the parcel containing the plate under his arm and stole cautiously down the stairs all was silent throughout the house several times did he pause to listen but not a sound was heard and he gained the street without interruption when however he was in the open air he knew not whither to go what plan to adopt whether to seek concealment in london until the coming storm should have blown over or to make every effort to get out of england the latter plan appeared to be the more advisable and he accordingly pushed on towards the dover road it was shortly after sunrise that mr gamble awaking from a sound sleep beheld a deep stain on the ceiling of his chamber and with eyes riveted upon it he lay reflecting what it could possibly be the old man was half childish and the strangest conjectures passed through his mind at length he grew frightened and unknown terror stole gradually upon him and he rang his bell violently in a few minutes the two female domestics entered the room having hastily huddled on some clothing and they found their master gazing intently up at the ceiling with a wild vacancy in the eyes their own looks instantly took the same direction and one of them suddenly exclaimed with shuddering horror it is blood they then hurried upstairs and a frightful spectacle met their view their mistress lay upon the floor with her throat cut from ear to ear and the carpet was completely saturated with her blood screams and shrieks burst from the lips of the horror-stricken women and rushing downstairs they rashly communicated to mr gamble without any previous warning or preparation the dreadful tragedy which had been enacted the flickering decaying lamp of the old man's intellect suddenly burnt up vividly for a few moments the full powers of reason returned he comprehended the appalling news which were thus unguardedly made known to him and with a horrible lamentation he sprang from his bed with incredible speed did he ascend to his wife's chamber and when the awful spectacle met his eyes he threw up his arms in despair gave vent to a piteous cry and sank down on the blood-stained corpse meantime one of the servants had hastened next door to alarm mr pomfret and when that gentleman accompanied by two or three of his own domestics appeared on the scene of murder assistance was immediately offered to mr gamble but all endeavours to recover him were ineffectual the shock he had received was a death-blow and life was extinct a few questions hastily put to the old man's servants elicited many facts dreadful for mr pomfret to hear he now learnt enough to convince him that his daughter had long maintained an illicit connection with a handsome young dragoon that her lover had been admitted the night before the one of the murder in the, to the house and that he must have been the author of the dreadful deed farther investigation corroborated this belief the uniform was found and a suit of mr gamble's apparel had disappeared the plate jewels and money were likewise gone the distracted father having heard a long time previously that leonard mitchell had enlisted in a dragoon regiment immediately suspected that he must be the criminal and this idea was confirmed by the discovery of some letters in ellen's desk information of the murder and robbery was accordingly given to the proper authorities and mr pomfret crushed to the very dust by the weight of misfortune crept back to his own cheerless dwelling there to meditate upon the closing scene of the tragedy in which his own conduct had originally made his poor daughter the heroine bitterness was in the wretched man's soul horror in his eyes spasmodic shuddering in all his limbs and when he contemplated his child's horrible end and his own ruined fortunes he felt indeed that he had nothing left worth living for the cup of his adversity was not however quite full yet but in a few hours it was overflowing for his head clerk arrived in a cab and rushing into the parlour without ceremony announced to him that the officers of justice were in search of him a true bill of indictment having been found against him for certain frauds in his commercial transactions thank you thank you for coming to give me this timely warning said mr pomfret pressing his clerk's hand with painful violence i will depart immediately and he staggered from the room the clerk waited five minutes and began to grow impatient ten minutes elapsed and still his master did not reappear 
the man rose and rang the bell furiously to summon one of the domestics but at the same instant the constables entered the house these officials having learnt from the servant who admitted them that mr pomfret was at home proceeded to search the dwelling and the clerk now entertaining the worst fears accompanied them to the ruined merchant's bedchamber there these fears met with immediate confirmation mr pomfret had put a period to his existence he had hanged himself to a strong nail in his sleeping apartment the body was instantly cut down and medical assistance promptly obtained but the wretched suicide was no more in the evening of that same day a man was arrested under suspicious circumstances at dover the news of the awful occurrences in stamford street had not reached that town at the time for there was neither railway nor electric telegraph between london and the kentish coast in, in those days but the individual alluded to had presented a quantity of plate at a pawnbroker's shop and not being able to give a satisfactory account of how it came into his possession was detained until a constable arrived to take him into custody on the ensuing morning the tidings of the murder in london reached dover and the particulars given by the newspapers of the preceding evening were ample enough to identify the person under arrest with the leonard mitchell who was accused of desertion murder and robbery he was accordingly sent under a strong escort to the metropolis where on his arrival he was immediately lodged in newgate in due course his trial came on he was found guilty upon evidence the most conclusive and upon being called upon to allege anything wherefore sentence of death should not be passed he addressed the judge in the following manner i acknowledge my lord that i am guilty of the dreadful crime imputed to me and although it be too late far too late to express contrition now i nevertheless declare that i am deeply deeply penitent my lord lost degraded criminal and condemned as i stand here in your presence i was once as sincerely attached to virtue as any man or woman who now hears me even when adversity entered the paternal dwelling ravaging it with the desolating fury of an army i yielded to no evil temptation neither did my confidence in the justice the goodness and the wisdom of heaven abate i enlisted my lord in order to obtain an honest livelihood and to stifle in the bustle of a new state of existence the painful reminiscences of blighted hopes and crushed affections the officers who have appeared before your lordship this day have all admitted in reply to the question i put to them that up to the time when i was sentenced to three hundred lashes i had never even received a reprimand nor had been once reported for the slightest irregularity but from the moment that the first blow of the torturing and degrading weapon fell upon my back my existence assumed a new phase my soul underwent a sudden and immediate change with each drop of blood that oozed from my lacerated back ebbed away from some sentiment of rectitude some principle of virtue my lord it was the lash that drove me to drinking that made me reckless of all consequences that made me a liar and a voluptuary a mean fellow and a paltry rascal and that hardened my heart so as to render it inaccessible to every feeling of honour mercy or remorse it was the lash then that has made me a murderer and i might almost claim to be pitied rather than to be looked upon with loathing a cruel law taught me to be cruel a merciless and barbarian punishment prepared me to become a ruthless and ferocious assassin and now my lord i am about to reveal a fact which has long ago been suspected and which situated as i unhappily am need not exist in doubt or uncertainty any more my life must be forfeited for the crime which has been proved against me this day and it will unburthen my soul of a heavy secret to confess another crime which i perpetrated upwards of a year ago your lordship doubtless remembers that a young nobleman an officer in the regiment to which i belonged was shot at a review in hyde park my lord i was the assassin the man accused me wrongfully persecuted me unrelentingly and lied most foully against me and i was avenged as leonard uttered these last words in a firm tone and with marked emphasis a thrill of horror passed through the crowded court 
and the dead silence which had been observed while he was speaking was succeeded by a subdued murmuring as of many voices commenting on what he had said erect and with an evident determination to meet his doom courageously the unhappy young man stood in the dock his eye quailing not his limbs trembling not and heinous as his offences were he was not altogether without commiseration on the part of many present the judge put on the black cap and the sentence of death that barbarian sentence was pronounced in due form the culprit receiving an intimation that he need entertain no hope of mercy the hint was unnecessary he had made up his mind to suffer and as firmly as he walked out of the dock back into the prison so resolutely did he step from that same prison ten days afterwards on to the scaffold erected at the debtor's door a tremendous crowd was assembled to witness the execution and the unhappy criminal maintained his courage to the last from that time have the three houses on stamford street been shut up from that period have they been suffered to fall into decay in the first old mr mitchell expired suddenly in the second mr pomfret hung himself and in the third ellen was brutally murdered the hand of fate had marked those three tenements to be the scenes of horror and of crime and a superstitious feeling on the part of certain credulous and weak-minded neighbours soon engendered the report that they were haunted it was said that the ghost of the young lady had been seen walking in her shroud in the yard behind the house where she was murdered and rumour added that on the anniversary night of the dread crime which had hurried her to a premature grave she was wont to wander about the premises uttering hollow and sepulchral moans such reports as those lose nothing by repetition during the lapse of years especially while the buildings which were the scenes of the crimes engendering the superstition continued to exist and therefore is it that even at the present day the evil reputation of the haunted houses remains unimpaired in stamford street and its neighbourhood end of section seventy three